This is Song. And this is Sarah. This is Epping Ethical, where we try to make sense of all the choices facing consumers every day. Welcome back to Effing Ethical. A couple weeks ago, Song and I hosted our first podcast-related spinoff event um, that very much came from questions um, and challenges that we'd been having in in our own work um, and we thought would be a great venue. And it was a, a roundtable discussion, a conversation with a bunch of startup founders about what does DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, actually look like um, for a startup? Like, how, how do you even begin to um, implement practices? How do you think about it? And the conversation was honestly way better than, than I could have even expected, Um and yeah, we're going to just sort of review a little bit about what we learned. And, and I do think that um, a lot of what we learned really is about like giving yourselves frameworks to think about things instead of right or wrong answers, which we love because that means that there's gray area, <laughs> um, but it also makes it super challenging. So right. yeah, what um, song, was there anything just like really big that like came out of the conversation for you? I think that the biggest thing that came out of the conversation, honestly, for me is um, not necessarily like the content of conversations, but, you know, we had a really wide diversity of kind of industries and, you know, um, you know, diversity, I guess, even among the participants that were there. And it was just really nice to be reminded of the shared challenges that we have and the need for forums and places for conversation to both like encourage us <laughs> um, and remember that there are others who are similarly values aligned and that we're not in it to, you know, we're not um, alone in our fight against, um, yeah, against like the different kind of pressures that we face as startups and whatnot. So um, I, I will say I just left that conversation, um, which was way too short and it was really, really engaging and I learned so much. Um, but I think my biggest kind of benefit and takeaway from it was just this feeling of um, community across industries and, um, and, and whatnot. So. I think, you know, when we, Sarah, you and I started talking about the need for this, we, you know, we were talking about how we've talked about corporations a lot in our podcast. We've talked about um, kind of problematic practices and we've talked about why diversity is important and why, um, yeah, what it means to, to have and build a culture that is inclusive and um, that creates a sense of belonging and all of these things. Um, but then for both of us who are working kind of in more startup e spaces um, and reflecting on how, you know, honestly, like we'll be right, we'll be building what the future looks like. Right. Um, and while it's one thing to talk about, and I don't remember where I saw this, um, this analogy of like, trying to turn around a big cargo ship, which feels really relevant <laughs> right now. Um, or, right? Um, we know how they can get stuck and take exactly. literal days to move and like bring down economies with them. Yes. Exactly. Um, I feel so it was like such a tangible <laughs> analogy for me. Um, 
Yeah, and about how we can, as little speedboats right now, right, like how we can chart our course um, so that we can create this, like, new future together. So uh, it was really, really encouraging to to get to be in conversation with people building out our future from different corners of the world. Yeah. And I think something that really came across to me was that no one came to the conversation regardless of their expertise. And we had people who like really um, kind of are experts within the space of like building culture and that kind of thing. Nobody came with like, here's the perfect answer. Right. And um, it, I, I'm going to reference the women of pantsuit politics, which I feel like we do literally every other episode, but they say things that are really relevant to, to what we talk about. Um, and so they were on Clint Harp's podcast um, this week, and they said a number of super relevant things. And um, part of it was, you know, we're at a moment of like people want really quick and clear answers. Um, they obviously talk about politics. And so, you know, you look at some of the the big things of the day, right? Today or this week, it's literally the infrastructure plan and people want like an answer of it's good or it isn't, or like, here's the specific thing that would make it better. Um, and like the world doesn't actually operate that way, but we really want those answers. We want to know what it is that we can implement in our lives, in our relationships, in our businesses, in the way we advocate for social justice that just fixes everything. Um, and the truth is like, there, there's no answers, but we kind of walk around like, like there's answers. And so it was really reassuring to hear from these participants, their, like the challenges they have, right? And you have to kind of identify what your values are and follow those values because um, I think as a, as a startup, and this was really, I mean, Song, you and I have talked so much about hiring and that was kind of the, the question that was on our mind. Like, how do you build diverse teams when you're building them one person at a time? And so that next one person, it feels like there's so much weight on like making the right decision. Um, and, you know, th- none of these are make or break decisions. <laughs> like they're, they're, they're decisions and they help build the culture. Um, but yeah, just sort of knowing that like, there's not an answer. We're not like, we're not missing something. We're not missing some perfect, here's how to build a company to be perfectly equitable. Just go do it. I think something that I've like left both the the round table and our discussion with um, JP and Dror about is just like this idea of perfection, this idea of um, putting on a face as though, right, we know (laughs) everything is just like creating this like universal toxic culture. And like the moment we can kind of be vulnerable and the moment we can be honest and transparent and not be afraid um, is when like things can really start to to change and to, um, yeah, things to kind of shift and and happen for the better. Um, I, uh, yeah, it was, it was really interesting because I feel like in our group, I mean, again, like everyone was coming from such different perspectives, but there were some themes that 
emerged, right? So um, I think both across your group and, and my group, we, we, you know, talked about like questions around the need to balance like speed and growth, right? Um, which is what is always top of mind for us as startups. Um, and, you know, and, and also, you know, when we're feeling so strapped already because of like, you know, one decision, we have resources to hire one person, right? Like, how do we think also at the same time about dismantling broken systems, right? Like, how do we um, kind of align and work on those two things at the same time when both take so much energy, right? And I think, yeah, I I think, you know, the, the answer is that there is no answer um, and that we can't be perfect in all of our pursuits of both things, which are, you know, both important, right? Um, and yeah, that we have to give ourselves grace for the decisions that we make. Um, and like the beauty of having diverse teams and beauty of having, um, yeah, diverse perspectives and whatnot is that like, even when you do make a decision that's perhaps wrong, like, you know, hopefully we're creating an environment and a culture where we'll be challenged in that and that we can like course correct. And that's sort of the the beauty of it all. Yeah. Um, something else that I've been reflecting on, and I was going to try to see if there was any specific research on this, um, and it it would be relatively new. So maybe this will be kind of looking back over the year, but um, just sort of framing it as like, these are things that we're worried about, right? Like women in leadership, we are concerned about both the actual like, you know, diversity and equity of our teams, but also what does that look like to the outside world, right? Like, what does that look like to our investors or donors? How are people going to like, you know, look at our team and what we're doing and say like, oh, they are one way or the other, right? This is something that we're, we're very concerned about. And um, one sort of true thing, and this is where I'd be interested to see if there's kind of crossover research is that, you know, women are attacked in media or in public way more than men for their decisions, right? And mm-hmm. so you have women leading small businesses or startups, which is already not unique. I mean, there's, you know, women entrepreneurs, um, I think globally, depending on how you define entrepreneur, like they are a majority of the entrepreneurs. They're just not the majority that get things like VC funding. Anyways, so you have women leaders, which is already unique. And then they're facing even more scrutiny about the decisions that they're making. And how does that like toxic pressure for perfection negatively impact teams or the ability to like, just be successful, right? Like just make the best decision you can with the information you have, like you said, learn from it, you know, build a team where feedback is encouraged. And so if things don't work out, you can kind of reassess and make different decisions. Um, yeah, I've just been thinking a lot about that recently. There is a an organization that I was um, loosely associated with that kind of shut down an aspect of the organization. Um, and they were, they are, the, the organization still exists, um, mm. run by women of color. Mm. And the thing that basically brought them down was well, I'm still trying to figure it out, but um, was not being either as transparent as they could or as supportive of specifically Black and Indigenous women 
in, mm. in their teams or in their community. Um, mm. And I just thought that was so interesting, right? Like this is, this is a, I mean, it, it's a company, it's for profit run by women of color, which is amazing. They're very successful. And there's this like heightened expectation of what that means of the community that they build. Um, and I don't know that it was right or wrong to sort of shut down this other aspect, but you know, what does that say about the scrutiny that we're putting on, on individuals who are already facing so much? Um, and I don't know, I don't know that I have an answer, but just, you know, there's a lot of, of companies, um, that are run by white men that kind of just fly under the radar that, you know, they don't get asked about their diversity, at least until they've grown. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know that I have an answer, but just like what you said, this desire for perfection is toxic and it makes us unable to make good decisions in the first place. Yeah. It, I mean, all of that reminds me of, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but um, so when we, um, I've been working on sort of as a side project, um, something around the supply chain transparency laws in California, um, and, you know, where it's, it's an oral history project and we're interviewing, um, these really phenomenal leaders in the space who, um, helped push this law forward. Um, and, you know, some of the the things that I've learned from that is just like the difficulty of having a law that doesn't mandate uh, mandate the same level of disclosure for everyone, right? Because mm-hmm. if it's something that's voluntary, it's probably going to be the best actors who stand up and raise their hands and say, this is what we're doing. And inevitably, it's not going to be perfect, right? Um, inevitably, there will be harms that are happening in their supply chains and whatnot. But unfortunately, because they've opened themselves up to scrutiny, now they look like they're the bad actors when actually they're, you know, probably the best actors, right? And so, um, I think what the point that you made about how, you know, companies that are run by um, by women of color or you know people of color or you know women, um, because we tend to be, we tend to have a heightened expectation of ourselves, right? And we put the pressure on ourselves to um, to push ourselves to that next level of accountability. Like it ends up having this backlash, right? And so I think it's also important to think about like how are ways that we like can put in place systems where it's just, you know, to, to level the playing field, right? Like how, so that it's demanded of everyone so that we can have visibility um, through to everyone, right? Um, and so that it's not having these like perverse kind of effects of the best actors being the most kind of like persecuted for their their um, their attempts to try to do good, right? I, I like what you said about transparency because, like, again, I mean, we'll probably say this a few times, but like, it's not about perfection. Like, I've never come across a company that's doing anything perfectly, whether it's their supply chain or diversity within their team or anything else like name the company you're gonna find something problematic if you if you dig deep enough because we're humans right like that's that's just what happens when um when humans form groups right which is is basically what companies are and so yeah I do feel like there's this balance of accountability and expecting perfection that we kind of just need to reassess Right. Like, yeah. I, like I like talking about these things because I think that there's a lot of 
um, or there's there's not transparency to where people just don't know, right? So you you know you you name the industry and you say, hey, did you know that there is this problem in the supply chain or there's this environmental impact because of their practices? And people just don't know. Like it it takes too much you know brain energy and time to figure all these things out. Like you and I only know them because of working in those fields and kind of really understanding what some of those risks are. Um, but you know at least for me, I don't like to talk about it or point it out because there's an expectation that it all just becomes perfect, but just because we should know, right? Like you should know that the, the negative environmental impacts of building wind turbines is that birds are going to die. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't build wind turbines. It means we should just know that, right? Like that should be part of decision-making. That should be part, like, what does it mean to make ethical decisions it means understanding what the risks are and what types of, of sacrifices you have to make, right? Or maybe sometimes it's, it's picking the least worst option. Um, and I do feel like aspects of um, kind of public liberal conversation, it's not okay not to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved what... JP said about how perfection is the product of white supremacy. Um, And that is just, yeah, so true. It's like with every level of privilege that is stripped away, it's like you are expected to have this like additional level of perfection to make up for it or something like that. Um, And it's so true. And I, I feel like I've caught myself also putting people to different standards and and you know I don't think I would have been aware of my own kind of biases in that way and and my own expectations for um for myself and for others in that way like had we not been having these conversations right um so I you know this is something that I like shared in my you know small group during the roundtable but um so my team um is like hyper diverse, we're quite diverse. Um, And, you know, the work that we're doing is like benefiting, um, benefiting a certain population, benefiting um, a a pretty underserved population. And when we talk to investors, um, most of them being white men, of course, um, they, uh, they react quite positively to our, you know, to our diversity and they react positively to the work that we want to do and, and whatnot. Um, and, and the most negative uh, interaction that I've had with a potential investor, honestly, was with a fund that, um, you know, uh, there aren't too many of them, so I won't call out exactly what they do, but a fund that I had higher expectations for. And, and they, um yeah, and, and that was like the the most kind of the, the most and maybe um, one of the few kind of negative interactions that I've had with a potential funder. And so I and I don't know if that's because I had higher like expectations for them to understand what we're doing right or if it was like objectively um yeah, you know, objectively a negative interaction, but um I, I feel like I've I've been reflecting on um on how it's like impacted me and, and expectations of perfection that I'm like trying to shed away. Um, and I'm how I'm kind of like imposing that on, on others. I mean, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I think the point is 
dialogue, right? Like to be able to have a conversation um, and to be honest, right? Like right now um, in my organization, we're recruiting for board members and our organization is very white right now. And that's not, that doesn't align with our values. And so we talk about it, but I'm also not going to like claim an aspect of diversity that we don't have or promise that in, in, in one year we'll have fixed it. Right. It's like, we know that this is not where we want to be. We're going to have a conversation and we're going to figure out the right processes to get where we want to be. Um, And I think that that, like the, the, the respect for the process that gets you closer as opposed to it's like perfection, all or nothing um, is, is something that I want to keep in mind all the time. And, you know, what was really cool about having these conversations with, with startup founders is that, um, you know, when you're, when you're moving so quickly and making decisions so quickly, and you've got this pressure to grow, you know, that you're going to be making decisions that aren't perfect in so many other aspects of your business, right? There's all this conversation around about like, make it 50% good later, make it 70% good, whatever. Um, that's, that's language that, especially in the startup space, people understand. And so why can't we just implement it into like more broadly into our lives or into some of these other aspects of our business where if something is, is wrong, right? Like a negative interaction with an investor, you know, it's, it's totally okay to say one, you know, we don't want that investor for, for X number of reasons, or maybe it's an existing investor. And you say like, that's a conversation we need to have because we need to kind of have dialogue around what what is and isn't working, um, but you know we can we can do fifty percent good with making our teams more diverse. And as we grow, we can keep trying to get better, and that's okay. Like it's okay to be fifty percent good your first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and I really I appreciate your um, your sort of perspective and and what you mentioned about how you and your team, um, your organization, you know, you have values around um, what it means to have a, a truly like diverse and inclusive workplace. And um, it, ref- you know, it as a reflection of the, the kind of work that you do and, and all of that. And um, I think that, you know, in all this talk about, um, you know, corporations or startups and for-profit entities, like sometimes we leave out conversations around the nonprofit sector and how, you um, how sometimes it's just um, the like the very blatant mission, right, is misaligned with what's happening in the workplace. And I feel like those conversations are mm. not had a lot, right? And, you know, you mentioned how, um, so that like the 50%, the 70%, the 100%, I think it's it's not just a matter of, of metrics, right? Like it's not just a matter of like having, you know, um, and if you're hiring two people, make sure one of them is a person of color. It's like, it's so much more than that, right? Like it's, um, it, and, and sometimes, you know, it can be harmful to just have someone fit into that metric and not have a place that is, um, that's great for them because, right. So I was just talking, um, to this woman who left an organization, left a nonprofit, um, a few years ago, and um, she was talking about, so she was the only, um, she was the only black woman in this nonprofit that is essentially like a forum for 
um, like, I guess like a forum for diverse voices for, um, you know, and they would bring on these like celebrities of color and, you know, whatnot. Um, and, but she was the only black woman in the organization and she was, you know, uh, like the racism and the discrimination that she faced, like had severe effects on her where, you know, two and a half years later, she's still having nightmares about her boss. And, um, you know, she talked about like the kind of the eating disorders that, um, that, that developed as a result of her, uh, you know, her employment at this kind of toxic organization where she was kind of paraded around as this token, you know, uh, black woman who works for the organization. And yet, right. Um, it's like she, her, her, her mental health and her body was being harmed, um, because she was hired into this organization. So I think, I think it requires a lot of thought when when we think about DEI policies and um, and and the way that we're creating a workplace that um, yeah that we look past this first kind of gut metric of like okay we just need to bring them into the organization to like you know check off this box yeah well and it's it's about processes right like it's about it's about literally how you're hiring, right? Where are you posting? How is your, how do you write your job description? How do you do your interviews? Um, how you, like you said, how you bring people into the organization. Um, it's not, it's not about a simple metric. Um, that doesn't work, right? Like that, that also ignores the equity piece of, of DEI. Um, and maybe the inclusion piece, right? Like it sounds like that woman, like you said, felt, very tokenized. Um, and yeah, it's, it's hard. I think that the nonprofit space is, it's really interesting because I think that it depends on the organization you're in. In some organizations, there's, you know, maybe, maybe almost an excess of scrutiny of we work in this space. We have to, we have to be perfect, right? Like going back to that, not that, not that they're, they're doing so well or they're, um, um, holding themselves to a certain account, but there's this like real scrutiny to be perfect. And that doesn't really work. <laughs> or on the other side, you have often, you know, even larger or, or older organizations could be new organizations as well, um, who aren't really dealing with it, right? They're like, we are diverse. We're doing something impactful. Um, I feel like I, I, I used to say this all the time at work, but just because your social impact focus doesn't mean that no one's being harmed. And that can mean so many things on so many different levels, um, both inside and outside of your organization. But I think people need to hear that and kind of, you know, look in, look inside themselves because it's, it's organization specific, right? Like we, that's why we're having this conversation in such vague terms. We can't tell you, oh, here's what you need to do to like build a perfectly um, diverse and equitable team. There are, you know, um, some some concrete and useful um, things to implement, but it just totally depends on your team and your industry and, you know, your, your market, just so many different things, right? So it, it has to be really, really specific and unique. But I do think that, that question of who could be harmed by my organization or my product is is a good question to ask and kind of lead can lead you in the right directions and and often without getting overwhelmed about oh my gosh I have to like check so many boxes to like be an equitable organization it's like 
okay, who could be harmed? Like, that's a good place to look first. I would agree with that. Um, And speaking of kind of these, like, you know, diverse teams, and like you said, you know, making sure um, that people really are, that really is inclusive, right? I think that that's, that's that next step, right? You have to move past, okay, we're, we're, we're checking a demographic box on, um, on the diversity of our team. Um, so it, it's because I just listened, but you mentioned that podcast again. So, um, on, on Clint Harp's podcast, um, I think it was Sarah from Hansu Politics was talking about how, you know, we are living in a multicultural democracy. Um, we don't know how that works. <laughs> this isn't something that's been like proven and done before. Right. And so we have to try things and change things. And we know for a lot of, you know, both proven and sometimes you can just sort of like feel it in your own experience that diverse teams and diverse leaderships and diverse communities have more positive outcomes for everyone. So we know that that's true, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Like different people have different perspectives and you, when you work really closely together, whether you're in an actual work environment or other aspects of, of community, it can be hard. And I think acknowledging that is really important in this work of especially working with small startups and building teams. Like you're not going to hire in the next perfect person that, that fills out your perfect diverse team and everyone moves forward in harmony or even everyone moves forward in a perfect, here is how the tension only makes us perfectly better and never actually like pisses us off kind of way. Like it's going to be hard. Um, you know, communities or teams that, that like look alike, right. People come from the same backgrounds, they have different perspectives and, and can fight and disagree. And so I think that, you know, moving away from perfection and sort of acknowledging like, this is the thing that's going to be hard. It's not just easy. There's not like a simple answer is really important for us, for us to recognize. Yeah. And I think that's actually a really great, um, maybe transition to one of our future episodes or just like not a transition, but like a heads up, here's something coming your way um, on that podcast, which you introduced me to. And I absolutely loved um, the episode that you're referring to. Um, I loved what, you know, Sarah was saying about um, how every community has rough edges that need to be rubbed off. And whether that's the Asian community, the Black community, the LGBTQ community, um, the Indigenous community, like we all have our own stuff to deal with. It's like, and we don't all agree with one another, right? And so then to bring our already diverse perspectives within groups that were really, I mean, we're just a bunch of different individuals that are that have like grouped and, and bonded together really to have a little bit of um, political power, right? Like it's, um, yeah, there's going to be disagreement, but but how, yeah, how do we create spaces, you know, within organizations, within um, sure, within organizations, within companies, but also like within our communities, um, that creates just like a safe space for um, for progress to happen is, I think, something that I have been thinking about for a very long time. And um, yeah, and that I, I think I would love to have a conversation with you about, Sarah. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, that reminds me, and maybe we'll we'll read this um, or or discuss it in in that podcast. But there was a really good article um, written by a Yale undergrad a couple of years ago who um, was older. I believe he's in his forties. Um, he'd been in the military and had gone back to school after kind of retiring, like I said, in his forties. And, um, so there's this, you know, totally different generation, um, man with military background and was a Yale undergrad in school with all of these, you know, late teen, 20 somethings. And he wrote about like what safe spaces really mean. And it's so good because he's like, you know, before I was in this this experience um, with these other students, I, I I made fun of that term. He's like, but what I found is it really was a space where he could talk about his own experience. Like they created space for him to talk about what what being in the military was like, how that affected his political, personal, social views, etc. And he was really just sort of impressed by the type of space that was created by these, um, these Yale undergrads to, to just be yourself, right. To just be able to express your opinions. Um, and, and I totally think that there are ways that an effort to be totally inclusive, um, when, when put into practice, uh, by policy, by institutions, um, cannot work. You know, I, I think that we can can maybe point some of those out in that conversation. But it was really encouraging to hear kind of that firsthand account of what that was like for someone to say, like, wow, here I'm in this space with these people who are so different from me and their willingness to talk about themselves and create that space, created a space for me to talk about myself and uh, in a really vulnerable way. Thank you for listening to Effing Ethical. As usual, we would love to hear from you. Uh, What topics are you interested in? What are your thoughts about our thoughts? Really anything. Um, You can email us at hello at songandsarah.com or find us on Instagram at F-I-N-G underscore ethical.